What's good? What's good? I'm over here right now. Yeah. My bad. My bad. My bad. No, no problem. No problem. As as I promised, Nirna, this is uh, this is the part where I have to pay the bills real quick. So I will. Uh, preface this is slip it sipping slow with joe excuse me um brought to you by the anchor app uh when i talk about the anchor app it is an app that was easy to start like i started in may of this year and over that time over the past three months or so i've seen a steady growth every month anchor has made it simple and easy to start podcasts uh and as a result i am able to see income and not only that but reach people outside of the united states as we speak right now it's portugal it's uh the netherlands it's france um and and 350 and counting so uh my appreciation to anchor for making a, a simple and easy effective way to start a podcast and the good folks at the coffee g for the non-coffee drinker with that said i want to introduce my guest and i'll let I'll let this one go to the kid tonight. Like we're going to start this a little differently. Um, the kid has been heard on uh, many of the previous podcasts, but he yep. is he is the reason for the podcast. If if I'm able to be honest, this was supposed to start five years ago by by Mr. Ben, um, but due to my own inabilities to start, uh, it's been it's been a little late. But he knew there was something there, and to his credit. He is the reason why there is a sip and slow with Joe. With that, I bow to you, kid. Take ah. it over. Oh, I appreciate that, my good brother. I appreciate that um, that acknowledgement. Um, yes, we are here with sip and slow with Joe. All right, this is the kid takeover for tonight. We are here. We do have a special guest tonight. A very good friend of mine. We go back like peas and carrots. You know, you guys are gonna be in for a treat tonight. Uh, but I'm not even gonna say who she is. I'm gonna let her introduce herself. So go ahead, you know, tell the people who you are, give us a little introduction, however you wanna do it, and then we'll just get this thing going. Go ahead. Hi. <laughs> this is my first time doing a podcast, actually. So I am kind of nervous, I'm not gonna lie. Um, my name is Myrna, and um, you know, I served in the Marine Corps with you um, many years back. I, I think to be exact, 2008, when we were deployed to Iraq. Um, and I am now uh, out of the Marine Corps after serving for nine years on active duty. And now I'm a full-time student, full-time uh, worker, full-time mom, and I'm loving it. Outstanding, and, and, and yes, we do go back to 2008 where uh, my unit was activated and mobilized in support of Operation Iraqi Freedom. And we joined up with your unit out in Camp Pendleton, California. And when we stepped on deck as reserve Marines, you know, it was a kind of a, uh, a shaky welcome that we received from the active duty folks, you know. Uh, how, how did, what did you think about us when we first got there? Um, you know, being active duty, there's, there's definitely a, a perception, um, you know, that active duty are, I guess, the, the technical experts and, you know, reservists are just weekend warriors, per se. <laughs> right. So, so I think that was uh, the mentality that I had, uh, not to mention, I was very arrogant at that time. So, um, it was hard to, to have a reservists on deck just because 
uh, I, I felt like you guys weren't up, up to par with what we were doing as active duty. So, but but that wasn't that wasn't the case though. I think because of my arrogance, I looked um, I looked past what was there of sustenance, which you know, great people like yourself and and other great friends that that I'm still friends with to this day. Good, I'll stand, I'll stand. And, and, and I'm messing up a little bit, Joe. I'm messing your show up already. Uh, we haven't even discussed what we're sipping on. So, so this is Sipping Slow with Joe. And Marin, I hope you got a cup over there because I got a cup over here. So, Joe, <laughs> what, what are you sipping on over there, Joe? What you got? You got All something right. in your cup tonight? All right, so, so I've recommitted myself to drinking more water. And oh. I ha- yeah, yeah. So I actually take down a gallon a day. Um, I'm at the tail end of my gallon. And I also am joined by the lovely folks at Remy Martin with 1738 on the right of me. So on the left, I have the remnants of my gallon of water and 1738 fresh glass uh, as my treat. Okay. 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 Fancy over there. You you fancy (laughs) over there. What you got over there, Marin? I know you got something over there. I'm hoping you got something over there. What you got? (laughs) I do. Um, You know, uh, back to school shopping. I don't know why Daygraph does this, but they have the liquor. (laughs) aisle right next to the back to school stuff so i felt like you know being a, a mom I, I had to get something strong so i'm actually sipping on some jack daniels tennessee honey whiskey with a splash Ooh. of cherry coke nice <laughs> yeah. nice in my red soul cup i have half the bottle's ice and well excuse me not the bottle the cup is ice and in that cup is some blue agave silver tequila from Jose Cuervo because I knew have this special friend on this call tonight that I was going to have to pull out all the stops tonight with something serious because we might break down some serious conversations so I wanted to make sure you know, I had a serious drink on deck so normally I don't drink tequila because tequila does something to me it, it really like like puts me on my ass to be honest you know what I mean so I, I tend to stay away from it but you know these are one of those this is one of those calls that you know we really got to you know go all out and and hopefully if I start slurring my speech or whatever don't pay me no mind it just is what it is because we are still sipping slow with Joe all right absolutely <laughs> all right so so back to back to uh where we first met and and you did hit on a few things about you know active duty marines have you know, because they do it every day, right? You know, that is your job. Your job is to show up to your appointed place of duty, you know, perform your duty every day, and then you go home, right? You know, for us reservists, you know, I hate to use the word part-time, but that's technically what it is. You know, we we perform our duty, you know, most times one weekend a month, only two weeks during the summertime or throughout the year at some point. And we may not necessarily have the, the technical expertise because we don't do it every day. Um, so it, it makes a lot of challenges for us. Um, but when we come on active duty, we were already ready to hit the ground running, ready to, to join up with you guys. And we were motivated and we got there and we got looked at like we were second rate citizens. You know? But it was all good because just like how uh, you mentioned that you met some good people on our side and likewise with us. Uh, we, you know, we linked, linked up with you guys and, and, you know, you're a wonderful person and we met other wonderful Marines and we all kind of, 
you know, kind of combined forces and performed our duty admirably and, and did a hell of a good job back then. You know, I, I do say so myself. Um, but we did have some, you know, we did have some some growing pains and some and some challenges and you know things of, of that sort. Um, but I mean, expand on your on your time in the, in the Marine Corps, Mariner. Like, like how how was that experience? Like, how long were you in? What was your rank? Like, what, what did you do? What, what was like your uh, your expertise in? Um, so I I was transportation management, uh, thirty one twelve, and I did that for nine years. Um, <laughs> You know, my, my overall experience was a good one. You know, I I did what I was told and, and listened to my drill instructors from boot camp. And I basically just followed the recommendations that they give you and, you know, instant obedience to all orders and don't question anybody and, you know, do as I say, not as I do kind of deal and shut my mouth and kind of just went along with my business. Okay. Um, and, and it worked. Um, I think... I think in many aspects, I had to find out for myself what kind of leader I wanted to be. And in the midst of that, you know, being young, because I, I went in the Marine Corps when I was 17 years old. Um, ah, okay. I had to grow up. I had to grow up real fast. And, um, and in, in that context, I was young and I was young, a young leader leading Marines. So therefore, I had to grow up real fast and mature and adapt to everything that, that was thrown my way. Um, but overall, I had a great experience. I had, you know, amazing leaders. I had the, the fortunate opportunity to be alongside many great Marines. And, you know, now it's a brotherhood, a sisterhood that I wouldn't trade it for the world. I, uh -huh. I love my time in the Marine Corps. I miss being a Marine. I more so miss wearing the uniform. And it, 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 it's like a, it, it's like a, like a kind of like a first love, like, oh my gosh, this is my life, you know, and I miss it and I wish I could go back to it. But, you know, real time, I'm doing so much more and, and so much beyond of, of what I ever imagined myself doing and accomplishing that I am only grateful for the Marine Corps um, for, for giving me those opportunities now that, that I am out of active duty service. Got it. Got it. Um, were there any challenges while you were in? Cause you know, you talk to a lot of people and, and a lot of people come up to and ask me and they say, well, why did you join the Marine Corps? Like, is it tough? Like, like what, what would you say to that if someone asked you? Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> definitely tough it's not it's not for the lighthearted um you know I, I think you have to be mentally strong and you can't take things to heart and you know the marine corps the temple is high the mission is priority and you know it, you you kind of have to put yourself in the back burner to make sure that the mission is accomplished and every task is accomplished with efficiency and effectiveness so in that perspective, yes, you do have to have a thick skin, but then you bring in uh, a, a complex, um, you know, system of a female or women being mm. in a institution where it's mainly predominantly men, then mm. you, you kind of have to rise to the occasion and you kind of have to have extra thick skin and not take things too personal. And, um, and sometimes be nurturing and take a motherly role. And most times, 
not be nurturing, but be very um, uh, strict and, 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 you know, no emotion and, and let it be known that you are there for business. And, and I think that was very hard for me because even though I'm very strong and very, uh, you know, my, my very authoritarian, authoritarian with my leadership style, my motherly nature wanted to come out sometimes and like want to give a hug and i'm like no myrna like you cannot do that like, you cannot be weak you know because yeah. because i didn't want to be weak and i didn't want to be seen as being quote unquote soft and you know and, and then you know my kindness being taken for weakness and now my marines be like oh you know she's weak or we can run over her or we don't have to listen to her so I think uh, I was very much uh, authoritarian, and and that's the role, leadership style that I had to take uh, in order for me to accomplish what I had to do. Okay, and I'll hey, kind of hold on, hold on, just a second. I, I think I think my role in this uh, to you guys is to be the civilian voice because there's certain things that I'm not going to understand, and there's certain things that the people are going to understand about Absolutely. the Marine Corps. So I have questions and tell me if I'm overstepping, but in my mind, the job you are assigned in the Marine Corps changes when you go overseas. For so you said transportation management. I wanted, I wanted to know in 2008, being in transportation management, what, what exactly was your role out there in Iraq? Is, is, can I know that? Like, because, because yeah, you could say, I mean go ahead. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, no, I, I understand your question. You're trying to figure out if the role changes from being stateside to being in a deployed location, right? Right. Okay. So basically my role was, um, I was in a unit, a deployable unit. So we were basically, um, sustaining the warfighters. So we were sustaining all forward units, uh, with supplies, ammo, uh, you know, food. So there's different classifications, class one, class two, and, and within each classification, there's, there's different items, you know, from water to bullets. Um, so my job was to ensure that everything was documented, everything was manifested, and I would go on convoy to move items from one um, location or one camp to another camp and sustain those forward deployed Marines. And that was my job while I was in Iraq. So to break that down even further, for those who still missed that, you know, we, we were we were sort of like the Amazon Prime of Iraq. So items that were coming in and out, in and out of Iraq that needed to go to the warfighter that was on the front lines came through us. And it was uh, Mariner's job to ensure that those items made it to the quote unquote customer, which is the warfighter on the front line when they needed it and vice versa. Stuff needed to go back to the United States. It came through Marina also to go back to the United States wherever it needed to go. All right, I, I just wanted to make sure that, you know, it wasn't one of those things where he was the refrigeration mechanic and he was also a sniper, you know, hitting people. <laughs> you, you get what I'm saying? Like, it, it, it could happen. I just wanted to make sure that, you know. Oh yeah, like, absolutely. I, no, you're I, right. I no, that was a good question. That was, that was an absolute, um, Good question. Um, and, you know, just to kind of, you know, piggyback off what, you know, Marina was mentioning before, like her being, you know, tough, like, yeah, like when we first got there and we got to your warehouse and my impression was like, oh shit, like this chick is not messing around. Like she is not someone that 
I can come up to and, and sweet talk and, and get her to do whatever I needed to do. Like that, you let us know that that was your house and things were going to be done in your way. Even though I outranked you, it didn't matter. You let us know, like, look, this is your operation. You know, we're here to, you know, assist you guys. And, you know, we were going to do things your way, you know, so definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just wanted to, to highlight that a little bit more. Yeah. Um, like I said, I was pretty arrogant. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah, and you know, it, you're coming into my turf, you know, right. and you're a stranger. I'm going to be defensive. I'm going to lay down the law. And maybe I was not liked at all, but I think that, that I had to take that on to, to make a statement, you know? 2008, how many years of service was that for you? Uh, Mirna. Uh, how long was I in already? Yeah, yeah previously yeah uh five years okay okay so i just wanted to give an age range because you said you joined when you were 17 uh so yeah so you it was about 20... four 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 and a half i had just re-enlisted uh yeah so like i'm at four and some change four so you're like months. so you're like 23 24 2008 yep yep all right. all right continue so joe you know me man so you know like for, for for me to have someone put me in my place and be like, yo, you're doing it this way, you know, it, it, it took a lot for me to kind of swallow my pride and be like, all right, yeah, because, you know, we didn't know how that their operation was running until some time went past, you know, we were working alongside with them. So, you know, for me to go in there and someone to be like, all right, look, you stay there and wait for me to tell you what I need you to do. And then you do it was, was tough for me. You know what I mean? And, but, you know, like I said, we, we, we all got through it and everything was, you know, peaches and cream at the end, you know? Mm-hmm. But so, so Marina, do you feel like, you know, as a woman, right, in the Marine Corps, toughest branch in the military, right? that you had to be that way. I know you mentioned that, you know, you, you, you had a little bit of arrogance and, you know, you didn't want to get run over, but do you feel like you needed to be that way in order to, you know, accomplish your mission or could you have still maintained, you know, a nurturing role the whole time and still get command that same respect from everybody? Um, right now, like intuitively, I want to say I, I could have been different and I often reflect on this, uh, you know, now going through school and learning about different leadership styles and leadership types. Um, but I think at that time, being young and being a woman and being in a male dominated, you know, Marine Corps military, I felt like being authoritarian and being very straightforward and, you know, being the bitch at work um, was, was the way, and, and yeah, I, I was a bitch. And, I feel like that was the way I had to be in order to to get things done, and 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 again in a quick quick turnaround, and without you know my Marines saying like but why or questioning, you know it's like you're gonna do this this and that, and that's it. Like there's no ifs buts or whats or or any questioning, and that worked. Um, I might not I might not have had very close um, like interpersonal um relationships with my marines but i think once we went into country and we were in iraq i feel like that changed because you know going into country um i do feel like i changed and i changed in the way where i had to tone it down and you know we're all embracing the suck we're all hot we're (laughs) all sweaty we're all hungry we're all sleep deprived we're we're just tired like you're working 17 hour days and you're just tired 
Yep. And I felt like at that point where we are all embracing the suck, it was time for us, you know, to get, you know, one-on-one and talk. And, you know, oftentimes we'd be working and it's like, yeah, I miss my wife back home. And it's like, well, tell me about your wife. Tell me about your kids. And, oh, these are my kids. And here's the picture. And this is my dog. And, you know, and I feel like a lot of those experiences, not to mention, you know, losing people out there and, and you know, I, I think it's a whole dynamic of creating a bond and, and we did, everybody bonded. So I think coming back from that deployment, it was different. <coughs> Excuse me. That's that cup. <laughs> I know, I'm sorry, my throat is like so itchy right now. No, it's all good. It's all good. Um, I wanted to ask you though, um, you know, as a woman, as a woman, right, in the military, in the Marine Corps, you know, where they're, you know, outside of, of kind of, you know, positioning yourself to earn that respect for male Marines, you know, because, um, you know, we hear all these stories about, you know, other young ladies in the military, you know, you know, for an example, um, you know, specialist or uh, PFC uh, Vanessa Guillen, the young lady that, you know, was unfortunately murdered over at Fort Hood, you know, like, are there like, like other challenges that you have to deal with as a woman in, in the Marine Corps, you know, because uh, uh, to a lot of civilians, and Joe, help me out here, if, if, you know, you have an opinion on it, you know, they, a lot of folks automatically assume that, you know, if you're a woman in the, in the military, that, you know, you have almost everything against you and, 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 and it's not really, the military is not really meant for women, it's really a man's game and, you know, anything like that. What are, what are your thoughts on any of that? Wow, that's deep. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot, right? Um, yeah, it's a lot. Um, you know, with um, everything that's transpired right now with the news and, and PSC Gideon, um, you know, there's a lot of heartbreak, and it breaks my heart as a woman, as a mother, uh, to know that she was murdered senselessly and... Um, and I can't even imagine the pain her mother and her family are going through and yeah. what they've had to endure because, you know, mm -hmm. it's just awful. But you know what? Um, that, that in itself, um, having that come out in the public purview for civilians, um, it, it's in a way it's refreshing because there is so much that happens in the military that is not known to civilians. If, if I'm saying that correctly, you know, everything is, um, from my perspective, being in the Marine Corps, the good old boys club, a lot of it is mm. hush, hush, we're going to take care of it in house. And yep. that's the way we do it, you know, yep. and for me, yeah, unfortunately, uh, for me, I'll share one experience I had and, and, you know, I'm going to share it because I know I shared this on my Facebook and, um, you know, I was in my first duty station in Japan and it was time for me to reenlist before I went to Pendleton. And um, I remember talking to their career uh, uh, career planner, the career planner. So basically the career planner is someone that makes uh, your reenlistment happen and they swear you in and all of that, right? So it was time for me to reenlist. And I said, you know, yeah, I'm ready. Um, he said, yeah, come over, come see me. You know, we're going to talk about where you're going to go and, you know, how, how we're going to transition you and your family back to um, the States. So I went and I remember um, sitting there in his office and mind you, his office, the career planner was right where the battalion CEO's office is at. 
and the battalion sergeant major and the S1, which are the personnel admin clerks, and his office was there in the corner. And I remember I went and I sat down and he got up and he closed the door. And I was like, you know, I didn't really think much of it. And um, we start talking about, you know, my options and incentives and, you know, everything they, they have to tell you about. And, you know, I'm, get, I'm getting up to leave and he grabs me, he pushes me against the wall and mm. he starts groping me. And I mm. just like pushed him off and I was like, are you fucking kidding me? And, you know, and he just like, I, I don't know what he was thinking, but in that point, like in that, in that time, I was like, oh my gosh, like, this is awful. Like, did this really happen to me? Like, no, this can't, like, this is, this is like too much. Right. And I was kind of frozen. Like, how could this happen to me? How did I let this happen to me? And it was an awful experience. And just to know that he did this to me, and, and again, like, I was the same way back in Japan from, you know, from when you met me in Pendleton, I was, you know, hardcore gun hole Marine, and I didn't really let anybody mess with me. And I felt so helpless. And, you know, the audacity for him to do that, you know, when the CO and Sergeant Major are there, um, that blew my mind. It blew my mind. And then it blew my mind even more that I felt like I couldn't say anything because, you know, one, I'm a woman, and two, are they going to believe me, you know, because I would always see him with the CO and the Sergeant Major, like, laughing and, and cracking up, and I'm like, right. how how is my credibility, not that I was a bad person or whatever, I'm like, how how is it going to see or, or seem to these people, and, and I didn't feel comfortable, I didn't feel like um, I was able to report that, and and then still, to be working with him on my reenlistment, you know, I still had to go in and, and, you know, I would stay at the door. I remember to sign my paperwork and he still went to the flight line where I was working at and he still swore me in and I felt awful. Mm. And, you know, just to see everything come to light now on what's happening and hashtag I am Vanessa Guillen. It's like, yeah, like I've been there and I understand how hard it is to not be able to uh, you know, speak your mind and, and, and advocate for yourself because you feel like no one is going to believe you or no one is going to be there for you or you're going to be taken as a joke or yeah. if it's going to be the good old boys club and they're going to hush hush and, oh, he would never do that. And, um, and I think that that was a big issue for me moving forward. It was like, now I have to be a bigger bitch and, and let it be known, like, you're not going to fuck with me. You know, I'm not, I'm not that person that, that I was back when I left Japan because I yeah. never, and I, I never spoke of it until all this happened with Vanessa and I shared it. And, um, and I think that for me was like an aha moment. Like, wow, I was young and this happened to me and I was strong and I have been strong. Nonetheless, I can only imagine if you were a woman that felt like you didn't have a voice and, you know, you just, you know, it, this abuse or this harassment um, happened over and over again. I totally understand that. And I think that's the most appalling aspect to all of it is that I've been there and there's many, many more women, service members, men and women, both alike, that have gone through this. Um, so yeah, that's my uh, personal uh, story, but I feel like 
there's a lot more that can be done and there's a lot more policy and and new implementation of of how these cases get processed within units um and that's just my my personal opinion of how that goes i, I just i was to, having wait joe i'm sorry i just i know i just wanted to chime in because um there were there were parts of that story that resonate with with me especially when you kept referring to yourself as as being more of a bitch um I, I want to be careful there because uh, I see it in civilian life where uh, a man, and I won't use any names just to protect, but I'll use his initials, Sean Carl Benton, uh, is, <laughs> is respected for being an asshole. Like he's professionally uh, and, and personally just an ass to deal with um, on, on a day-to-day basis. But that, can say, that, 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 that garners a lot of respect there. There, there is nobody that would say he's an asshole, but I don't respect him. No, he's respected, and, and that makes him a great leader of men or, or people in general, right? But you said you got to be more of a bitch. She's got to be, or, or that could be misrepresented as she's being emotional. Oh, it's that time of the month. Like, there are a lot of disrespectful yeah. things for women in leadership uh, that, that not just in the military, but in the country, we have to address um, so I want I want to make that an an every woman problem like that's like mm-hmm. that's all over in every form of a, you know a, of a job that you can do. The men are respected for being the asshole for for being staunch. I mean yeah. they 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 obsess about Steve Jobs. They make movies about him. You get what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. in the end, they said he was a hard ass to work for. But we respect the hell out of him. We gotta you know put him on a pedestal. Women, not so much. It's just, you know, she's emotional. She leads with emotion, of course. It's not that she's trying to be that same, that is the same type of leadership with two different extremes on the other end, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so I wanted them to just generalize that, that whole thing because I heard, heard you say you had to be more of a bitch. Uh, I feel like that comes from uh, a misunderstanding um, it's, 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 it's really, you know, and I'm, and I'm, I'm hesitant to dig into it because it's such a hot bus button issue. I've heard it so many times where yep. men, men can lead with, with passion, f- fire, drive. Uh, there, there's, there's a different set of verbs we use for men in leadership that operate the same way a woman would in that same leadership role, but they're two different, you know, there's two different verbs. So I feel like that's a country problem. And, and, I, and I wanted it, to address it. It absolutely is, Joe. And, and, and you, you hit it on the head with that. Like, it's, it's a culture thing, you know? Like, mm. I, was having dinner, I was having dinner a few nights ago with my, um, with my battalion commander and my battalion executive officer. And we were at his house and, you know, he was, you know, had a backyard barbecue. And, you know, we sat around the table, we were eating and we were just chatting, right? And, and his wife was there and um, he has two kids. Um, a girl and a boy, and the girl's the oldest. And his wife was telling stories about how whenever um, her dad is, is doing, you know, Marine, doing his Marine Corps duty, you know, his daughter runs and grabs his uniform that's still at the house and puts it on and she walks, she marches around and she's saluting and stuff like that. And, you know, she was basically saying that she thinks that their daughter is going to eventually want to join the Marine Corps when she's of age. So everyone was kind of going around a table and, and talking about their children and see if, you know, if, 
they're going to influence their children to join the Marine Corps. So, and it, and it got to me, right? And, you know, his wife asked me, like, you know, would you, you know, do you think your daughter would join the Marine Corps or the military? And I said, no, I don't, I don't think she's interested in it. Um, and then they asked me, um, you know, would you encourage her? And I said, absolutely not. And like their eyeballs got big, their heads exploded. It was almost like the end of the world. Like, like, wh like what do you mean? Like, what do you mean you, you wouldn't want your daughter to join the military? And I said, well, look, you know, like the challenges that I've seen, you know, that women go through, you know, it's, it's, it's that respect thing, right? It's that, you know, the sexual harassment, the, you know, the good old boys club that we mentioned, you know, if, if they get promoted quickly, you know, then there's, just, there's some sort of uh, idea that, oh, they must have been sleeping with someone to get the recognition, right? They receive some sort of award or something like that, right? You know, if they, um, you know, if they appear to be, you know, soft, you know, they get ran over or we take advantage. It's, you know, it, it's just a crazy environment. And I wouldn't want that for my girls, you know, like, why would I, why would I subject them to that? Why would I encourage them? to go into a culture that sort of allows, you know, you know, these things to occur. Now, I do want to clean this up though. Like we do have, uh, you know, we do have rules in place to, you know, that acknowledge sexual harassment and sexual assault and, 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 and fraternization and all these things, all these things are in place. Absolutely. That, you know, we have strict guidelines and, and rules against, you know, but, just as it was already previously mentioned that it was a good old boy club, you know? So if I push up on the wrong female Marine, you know, she doesn't feel comfortable enough to maybe, you know, write a report, you know, make a complaint because she feels, or she has an idea that nothing's going to happen to me because of who I am, what my last name is, what rank I have on my collar. She may not feel comfortable that anything is going to be done. You know? So you, so you're looking at all these women that, that are potentially going through these issues and nothing is being done. And, and you know, and then we, we, we get these news reports of, of, you know, women being murdered and stuff like that. And it's like, oh my goodness, you know, ultimately, you know, as a country, we got to change the culture. Ultimately in the military, we need to change the culture and we need to be aware of it. So as I'm telling this, telling this to my, uh, my, my commanders, they're looking at me and they're in disbelief but then after I fully explained and provided some examples, they started to understand. Now, whether that changes their mindset, which I don't know what their mindset is, because we didn't, we didn't dive that deep into it. But the, one of the biggest issues is, what, like, it's like out of sight, out of mind. If we don't physically see it, we don't think it, is, it, it exists. Until someone knocks us over the head and says, yes, motherfucker, this shit is real. You know what I mean? So for them, you know, being having the careers they had, they didn't, they haven't been around many female Marines to, to hear these stories or to see or witness any of these things. Unlike me, where I've, you know, I've been more in a support role where there's a lot of female Marines, you know, in those roles where, you know, I've seen the stories, I've heard it. I've even sat on panels that, you know, adjudicate folks that have been involved in these type of issues. So, you know, I've seen everything, heard a lot of things, stuff like that, but, but it goes back to the ultimate piece of the culture. The culture has to change and it starts with our leadership. Yeah, um, it does. And just, just to add to that um, segue, I think the bottom line is that 
there is a double standard, you know, there's a double standard when it comes to men and women in uniform and not just in the Marine Corps, I want to say in the entire military. And with that double standard, then we start to marginalize women because we're women and, and we're seen as weak or we're seen as, like you said, uh, Joe, emotional. And, um, and I think in, in that perspective, that's when we have to step up and become that bitch. And it's not that I wanted to be a bitch. It's not that the other female Marines wanted to be bitches too or be known as, oh, she's a hardcore, or she's this, or she's that. It's the fact that that's the only way you get to move forward and get things done. So, so I think, yeah, there are bigger issues and, and marginalizing women is, is an issue in itself and, and it should be changed. I agree, totally agree with that. So with all that being said, right, because, you know, we, we, can, we can do a whole show just on that topic alone, right? You know, because I truly believe that you're a superwoman. I told you this many times, right? So the Marine Corps, as, as much as it, it is a big, huge part in your life, it really only captures just a piece of who you are, right? So I kind of want to unpack you know, what else aspects about you that makes you, you know, this superwoman in my opinion, all right? So let's talk about life outside of the Marine Corps. What are you doing now? Like, like, like what's, what's, what are you, you know, what, what are you engaged in right now? What, what makes you tick? Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so I got out in 2012 from um, service and, you know, I, I believe growing up, I never really had positive role models. I, I think I, I talked to you about this the other day. Um, I had, you know, people in my life that I did not want to be when I grew up. <laughs> like I would yeah. see people and, and, and family and I'd be like, yeah, that's not what I want. I definitely yeah. don't want that. Yep. Um, you know, um, growing up, you know, um, and I'm going to take it back to like when I was younger, uh, my, my, my father was uh, not a very good person and, and he made a lot of wrong decisions. And, um, you know, I grew up in a home where, you know, the U.S. Marshals would come and, and raid our house and wow. my dad was involved and, and, you know, he was selling drugs and I would, I have pictures of like me throwing money up in the air and I thought that was cool. And, um, and that was my life, you know, and, and having, yeah, making it rain, you know, <laughs> hashtag 1985, you know, and it just, it, it, that, that just became like a, a normalized, uh, you know, upbringing, um, you know, having drugs in the house and, and U.S. Marshals and, but even at that young age, I, I remember vividly um, thinking to myself, this is not what I want. Like, if I ever have kids, this is not the lifestyle I want. And uh, that was my takeaway growing up. And then my dad went to jail for many, many years. Um, and then uh, he, he got deported and he's never allowed to come back. But wow. uh, I, think, I think from that, I think that foundation in itself has made me who I am now, not to mention going in the military and being the first woman, the first person in my entire family to join and serve. Um, uh, I believe that my life and the choices I've made are um, a culmination of everything that I've gone through. And, you know, now getting out since 2012, I, I've been in school full time and I've been working. Um, I actually, I started with my bachelor's and being, you know, 26, almost 27, 
doing undergrad work. <laughs> it was uh, yeah. it was a bit hard, you know, being being in school with uh, with uh, quote unquote youngsters, and um, oh, yeah. you know, I'd be in the back. The I was a yeah, I was a the salty veteran in the back, like rolling my eyes, like uh, like really, like this doesn't make <laughs> sense, but. You know, I was probably a little disgruntled, um, but you know, I pushed through and I finished my bachelor's. Um, so I have a bachelor's of science and global business. And nice. then I, I said, you know, I want to, you know, I want to do my master's. So then I signed up for my master's right away and uh, I have my master's in business administration and that was awesome. And then I got my first job as a district attorney, um, a deputy public administrator. And that was awesome. Um, wow. But you know what? I started questioning myself. Like, what is this? What is the deputy public administrator? I don't understand what this is. Like, let me do some research, right? And I started doing research, and I and I didn't really know anything about my job. All I knew was, you know, here it is, and and you do this because this is what I'm told. Not to mention, when I got to my 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 work, my first day at work, being a marine, I asked my my supervisor. I'm like, so where's the standard operating procedure? And she looked at me and she's like, uh, we don't have one. And I'm like, appalling, like, oh my gosh, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and, and I kid you not, my supervisor was running, uh, around like crazy that day, trying to compile an, an SOP to give to me. And, and at the end of the week, I was the only one out of that whole office with the SOP because I asked her like, where's the SOP? Like, where is it? Where, where's, the, where's the legitimacy for me doing my job? You know? Yeah. That's funny. And um, yeah. And I think that came from the Marine Corps, you know, like we have to have, you know, standard operating procedures and whatnot. So, um, so then that took me down a different rabbit hole of, you know what? I want to go back to school and learn about public administration because I kind of like it. So um, I, I got back into school. So I got my second master's in public administration and I loved it. I, I love everything about it, you know, service uh, before self. And it's a lot that resonates with the Marine Corps. And um, wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me pause you for a second. Hold on, hold on. Cause you're giving us a lot of good stuff. Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> hold on. Cause I know the audience, is, their heads is probably spinning. Cause I know mine is right now. So hold on, hang on. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So you just said, I just want to kind of go back. You said you have your your bachelor's degree, right? And right. then you went and then you went back to school and you got your master's, you got an MBA, right? Master's of Business yeah. Administration, correct? Yeah. And then you yeah. went back to school again to get a second master's? Yeah. Okay. I I, yeah. I, I, want, wow. I want to just I want to ask <laughs> uh because so we're talking from 2012 to what, when do you get your second master's? Um, I graduated with that, uh, 20, so 20, we're 2020, 2019, 2018. So in 2018. So in, in the six years that you chose to go back to school three different times, uh, mm -hmm. what was changing in your personal life? Because, uh, are you going back to school after having, did you have kids? Were you married? Like what, what was going on? This, these six yeah. Years. Uh, when I when I got out, um, yeah, I, I was married in the Marine Corps uh, with to another Marine dual active service member, and you know, just me deploying. Like I did back to back deployments to Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, you know, I, I think it, it kind of became like a roommate situation, and um, you know, he fell out of love, and I and I tried 
to make it work and and I do believe in you know having a family unit but at that time it, it just wasn't it, it there was no love anymore so you know we filed for divorce we got divorced so when I got mm-hmm. out I, I was alone I was I was alone um with my two kids and it was hard it was hard transitioning um you know from being in the marine corps to having a very structured life um to coming out and not having many resources available uh you know in the location where I was at or even knowing anything about your benefits not even knowing how to how to do a VA disability claim or or how do I sign up for um you know VA benefits if I have the flu or if I need you know services or whatever um everything was learning as you go there's no checklist uh there's nobody calling you your your first sergeant or whoever is not saying hey man are you okay you got it good we're here for you no it's like you're on your own So you were a single mom, you know, with two kids and going to school. Like were you were you working also or or were you were you just going to school? Yeah, I, you mentioned, I was. You mentioned the job, but were you but were you like fully engaged with that? Was it a part-time? Was it full-time? Like because to me when I'm hearing all this, it sounds like that's a lot on your plate to handle, you know, children, education, yeah. work. I mean, how how were you able to balance all all those things at the same time? Uh, it's called having zero social life. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's, that's what it's called. Um, uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I, I was. I was uh, volunteering uh, to organizations, uh, nonprofits. I was involved with a nonprofit called um, Working Wardrobe, um, specifically VetNet, um, and basically I was the spokesperson for, um, you know, kind of advocating for. Uh, transitional services to veterans so I was the spokesperson for a, a time and uh, I love that you know sharing my story sharing um, the hardships and showing that you know resiliency is there and we push forward um, and I love that um, but then at the same time I was in school and you know just i think everything time goes by so fast because i'm in school full time i'm you know working with this nonprofit you know volunteering and then um at the same time i'm trying to get all my benefits like you know my post 911 benefits and then i jumped over to another vocational rehab benefit and then uh, trying to like have my kids in school in a safe place and trying to move trying to save money um I did odd jobs like cleaning houses and wow. um you know I mean it was like it, it was like it was hard like there was times where you know and I, and I we laugh about it now because so I used to go to um Burger King before class because I didn't I was like really like I was I had a hard time with money like my benefits were kicking in and I was just like this is awful but I wanted to have a coffee before I went to school so I found a Burger King by my house and um and I would go through the drive-through and I would ask for a small coffee, right? And uh the guy had a crush on me and he I guess he knew my voice <laughs> by then and he would give me a free coffee. <laughs> and you know, I kind of flirted my way every Tuesday and, and Friday before class and he would like hook me up with the free coffee, but it was like it was a struggle. Like I couldn't afford uh Starbucks. I couldn't afford going out with mm. my kids. It it was hard. It it was hard and uh You know, I think the struggle as a single mom is hard. Um nonetheless, you put the dynamic of being like this 
arrogant, you know, hardcore veteran, and you're like, I don't need shit for nobody. And then you're mm. like, wait a minute, I do need help. <laughs> and I think that's like <laughs> the hardest part is saying, hi, by the way, I need some help. Can you help me? Can you watch my kids while I go to school? Um, yeah. You know, do you have 10 bucks I can bum off of you because uh, I need to put gas in my car? I just need two gallons, like two gallons of gas. And um, and I think now looking looking back it it does build character because now i'm so fortunate and i'm so blessed at where i'm at and i'm and i'm so grateful for the struggle because it's made me uh you know appreciate every blessing that i've gotten since since going through it all uh so no it it has not been easy it's not been easy and i think and i think there's a perception uh, like on social media because they see the end result it's like yeah. they see the, the graduation and my kids and family, and it's awesome and great. But there's so much sleepless nights and insomniotic nights mm. and then nights where I can't sleep, and now I have to take this medication, and now I have an adverse uh, reaction, so I need to take this other one, and now I'm on antidepressants, and now I'm on this and mm. that, and now I have 10 meds, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm going crazy. Am I crazy? Am I not going crazy? And it's like doubting yourself every day but yet pushing mm. yourself at the same time without a significant partner because that's that you know that in itself is a is 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 rewarding to have a partner that you can talk and and kind of get like a second opinion like hey yeah you're doing yeah. great and right. and I had to do that and I still continue to do that to myself like Werner you're killing it you're crushing it you're doing great and and I think it, it just makes you that much stronger and it makes you that much um, appreciative of everything because it's not come easy. It's it's been hard, and it still is hard. It still well, is I'm, hard. It's not easy. So I'm one of those guys that I've been following you, right? I've been following you intently. You know, I I, I see the results that you're mentioning, right? I saw the graduations, and I was kind of like, damn, she got her master's. All right, cool. And then when I saw the second graduation, I was like, hold up, damn, didn't she just get, I was, I was blown away. I was like, oh, snap. So now I'm really like, you know, paying close attention. And, and, I, and I think you're kind of like, you know, selling yourself, sh you know, short a little bit too, because I know you mentioned that you worked with the, um, the nonprofit organizations and, and, and all that, and, and, you're, and you're balancing family and working and, and education, like, like, are you still in school now? Are you done with school? Are you still, you know, are, are you going, you know, further than that? Or, you know, are you engaged in any other, you know, extracurricular stuff? You know what I mean? Like, 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 like what else? I, I think you're selling yourself short. What, what else you got going on? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so when I finished my MPA, my master's in public administration, uh, that summer, I think it was like the second week from graduating. And I said, you know what, Myrna, like, there's so much more you can do. I think going through my master's in public administration, there was like a huge aha moment. Like there's so much you can do. There's so much change you can, you, you can, you can do in, in your community within your family. Uh, you know, and a lot of it is breaking barriers and generational curses that, that sometimes mm. are passed on to us from our parents and, and grandparents. And, and again, going back to that, you know, little girl, like, that's not what I want. I wanted to, to totally change the path for my children and, and show them like you could do everything and anything you set yourself up to. So um, I signed up, I made um, my application for um, uh, my doctoral program. And, you know, I kind of was cutting myself short. I said, wow, like, um, I might not get into it because 
you know, like I'm not a 4.0 student, but I tried and, and I don't know if I'm going to get in it. And I, and I doubted myself a lot, but I said, you know what? No risk, no reward. I got to do this. So um, I did. And, you know, long and behold, I got accepted to University of Laverne for the Doctor of Public Administration. Um, and um, I finished year one and I'm actually uh, starting year two come September. So that has been like, wow, such a blessing mm. because now I know exactly what I want to do now. Like I know exactly where I want to be at. Like I know exactly where I want to go with this. And what's and that? Ultimately, yeah, ultimately I want to um, advocate for veterans. I want better policies. I want better procedures um, in healthcare for the VA. I want to lobby in Congress and I want to make, uh, you know, veterans a priority um, to to our lawmakers and, and make it known like we have served our country and we volunteered and we signed that dotted line, you know, to give the ultimate sacrifice. So why are we as veterans uh, not given the opportunity to, to get health care or to be um, given health care to go outside to a civilian doctor? Why is there such a long backlog? And why do I have to wait a year and a half to get a dermatologist appointment? Or why do, you know, it's like, there's so much that needs to be addressed and coming in from a, a, a woman's perspective, going in the VA and it being a male, again, a male dominated uh, entity, you know, government agency. Um, there's not a lot of uh, programs for us. So me going through it and, and seeing the lack of programs and, you know, PTSD groups and um, focus groups. And why do I have to sit with a Vietnam vet and two Korean vets and, you know, a Desert Storm vet? And, and now you want me to open up and talk about my experience? Like, no, no, <laughs> like I'm not, you know, and, and these are the issues. And, and women, again, in the VA are being marginalized. It's like, we have all these programs for men, but what about women? Like, where are the programs for us? Where, where uh, does the VA advocate for us? And there are certain programs, there are, you know, certain things, but there's not enough. There's not enough. And there has to be more because I don't accept the fact that we will be marginalized again, that I will be marginalized again, that, you know, the next, you know, PSC Lance Corporal that gets out will be marginalized um, and I think that's what I want to break, and that's why I want to change. And uh, yeah. and I'm working towards it. That's what I'm working on. Outstanding. Hey, I, I I got two more questions. Just just I want to fill in some holes real quick. And I and I hate to bring it back, but I but I want to give everybody a an understanding of the full picture, um, because in 2012 you started your your school journey, and and you know we went back, and then we found out you had kids during that journey. So I want to. What, what, what were the ages of your kids at the time you're getting out of the Marine Corps 2012 and in school? Um, my son was, I want to say four, mm. four, close to five, like kinder. Okay. And my daughter was born in 2011, December. So she was, I guess, when I got out, my daughter was about, I want to say like six months. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. So they were young. They were young. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, they were very young. And, 
You know, I mean, and, and, and even, even to add this, um, I had really bad postpartum depression. I had okay. severe postpartum depression after I had my daughter. And it was a culmination of getting out of the military and feeling like a total failure, right? Like, I served my country, I did all this, and I was a great Marine, and blah, 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 blah. But I feel so lonely. I feel like I was left behind. I feel like there wasn't any resources. I felt like nobody cared for me. And then the postpartum depression kicks in. And, and then I had a failed marriage. And, you know, my, hus my husband at the time had walked away. And here I am with my kids. And how do I work? Like, I don't know. Like, I applied to Starbucks and you're not qualified or you're overqualified or you know, and I'm cleaning houses and I'm like, this is not what I figured. This is not what I projected in my mind. Like I thought I was going to get out and get a six figure job and like buy a Mercedes Benz and be like, yeah, I'm living it up. And that wasn't it. You know, that was, that was so far fetched from, from the reality of, of the struggle, you know? So it was a mix of, you know, the postpartum depression and a failed marriage and, you know, um, getting out and, all of that, like, inside of me, but yet projecting to my family that I was okay, that I was, you know, happy, that I was pushing through and, and not wanting to ask for help and not wanting to address uh, PTSD, not wanting to address, you know, why I couldn't have gainful relationships or gainful friendships. And, um, and that was hard. And it's been hard. You know, it, it's still hard uh, to even be vulnerable or even let anybody in because um, of the walls you know, that I've made and, and just, um, you know, trying to be tough and, and, you know, independent. And um, that in itself is, uh, it's exhausting. It's very exhausting. Um, but I will say this, uh, my family was very kind and generous and, and they helped me a hundred percent. Whenever I did ask, uh, they, they helped me with my children and taking care of them. And I was going to night school, you know, two, three times uh, during the week because I was trying to, um, you know, maximize my VA benefits. And that meant that instead of taking a typical one class a month, I was taking two to four classes because mm. I wanted to, to have enough time to get my master's. So yeah, I, I had really little social life then and I still have little social life now. Uh, so um, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you I'm glad you brought up the fact that your social life is a little lacking. And, you know, I think it could be attributed attributed to the fact that, you know, you're, 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 you're so busy, right? You, you know, you, you, you're working, you're going to school, stuff like that. But, you know, the question that I have to ask, and I know the listeners are, are, are just dying or going to be dying to, to, to hear this question, is what's good with the love life? Right. I know you said the, the social life is a little yeah. shaky, but what's what's good with it? Like 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 the husband, he walked out on the marriage. He's lame for that. He's corny. He's whack. He's he's <laughs> how, how we say here in the East Coast, he's LP. Right. Like he's whack for that shit. Right. <laughs> you know, with this superwoman that we're talking to right now. And trust me, fellas, if you're listening, like she's on point. I saw her a couple of days ago. And yeah. But anyway. Anyway, because I think this is the alcohol talking to me right now. But what's up with the love life? What's good? Are you 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 available? You're you're seeking. You're not seeking. What's what's going on? And intrigued minds want to know. <laughs> and sorry uh, if I put you on the spot, but I'm I'm curious. <laughs> I just want to know. 
<laughs> I'm like, where where are they treat mines? <laughs> I don't know. Wow, um, that's hard. You know, I I, I it's hard because it, it it's it's so sweet that you say all that, but men don't approach me. Men do not what? approach me. Men, I, I I swear. Like, yeah, I know it's crazy, right? No, yeah. I'm playing. You're I playing. swear. I swear, mm. yeah. Mm. I, I'm not kidding. I wish I was, but um, men do not approach me because somehow I give off this vibe, you know, that I'm independent and da da da, da and, and I am. I'm very independent uh, and I'm very self-sufficient. You know, now I'm making, you know, I, I make my own money. I pay my own car note. I pay my own bills. I don't. I don't need anything. That's, you know, that's very much implied now that I'm. I'm. I'm set. But um, I don't, I don't get guys hitting on me because they say that you know I, I probably will not be interested or whatever, and and I get it, or because I'm too busy, and I hate saying that um, because I do miss that. I, I do miss being in a relationship. I, I miss having somebody text me or call me or say, hey, let's go to dinner, or, or you know, like, you look amazing today, you know, like, I do miss that, I think I miss the humanistic interaction and the emotional connection, um, you know, but uh, um, there's no love life, unfortunately, oh, um, what a waste. none whatsoever, <laughs> none, oh my god, mm. I, I would, I would, uh, uh, actually, I hold on to hope, I, I hold on to hope that I can meet somebody amazing and great and um, they can value me for who I am and, and I just honestly like all I'm looking for is just a nice guy just somebody that's caring and loving and attentive and and just big hearted and kind um, you know I'm not looking for somebody's wallet I'm not looking for Mr. Rico Suave or Fabio like I'm not you know but <laughs> but if he is all that like send him my way <laughs> Um, <laughs> well, look, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this to any any fellas listening that's on the West Coast, right? Like, <laughs> like if you want to, you, after you listen to this, and, you know, and, and if you're brave, like, you got to have your shit together. Like, we not, we not lowering the standard just because, you know, you know, she's not dealing with nobody, right? So if you got yourself together and, you know, you ready to step out there and, and come correct, you know, hit Myrna up. You know what I'm saying? She's all in. Cause, Cause look, ain't nobody approaching her. Ain't nobody approaching her. Ain't nobody gonna talk to her. You know what I'm saying? And we, and we, you know, look, let's, let's get, make sure we're clear. She's not desperate or anything like that. That's not what's going no. on. Right? Not no. at all. Right, right. right. No. But, at the same, but at the same time, you know what I'm saying? She, you know, she wants to have a good time. And if you're down with it and you're official, right? You know, mm -hmm. you can't, you can't make a basket if you don't shoot your shot. You know, bottom line. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you, and you know what? I think a lot of it is, um, just like you said, like, I do have standards. And those standards are pretty fucking high, you know? Mm. And I'm not looking for just the whatever. Like, if I'm going to give you my time, which is limited, I'm going to give you my time. Therefore, I don't want mediocrity. And I frown upon yeah. mediocrity. Like, if you're yeah, right. in, you're in it 100%. And I yeah. think nowadays, uh, you know, re relationships are are very much transactional. And there's not much of substance. 
And yeah, I can find a transactional relationship. Great, that's dandy. But I'm way past that. Like, I want something, you know, with sustenance, something that that is a connection, not just the transactional aspect to it. So you, and so you're I not think that, any that's kind the art. So you're not looking for any kind of entanglements? No, no. Hashtag no entanglement. <laughs> <laughs> no, not here. Not here. My, hey. my mama raised me right, okay? No entanglement. Hey, hey Mirna, <laughs> this, is, this, is this is my chance to uh, kind of take it over and, and thank you for your time. Uh, and I say sincerely, like, thank you for your time because I see you don't have a lot of it, you know? Um, so, so this comes from a real place. Like, thank you for doing this. Um, it's just, I, I've, I've been, uh, I'm like fanboying over here because uh, I'm listening to You Unpack Life and I'm in awe. So uh, I, I really appreciate you uh, agreeing to do the podcast. And I hope that you. You, you actually come back because we want to we want to get the end of the story. The story hasn't ended yet. Like we kind of paused right. at PhD second year in the Rona. Um, how old? Yeah. How old are the kids? How old are the kids? Wow, yeah. my son is not taller than I am, so he's thirteen, and my Ooh. daughter is going to be nine. Ooh. Yeah, mm. you got a Big teenager kids. in the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's awful. <laughs> <laughs> I I know uh, I know I have a teenager in my house as well, so I, so I, get, it. I get it. It's awful. Um, yeah. But but look, I want to thank you guys, like uh, kid man. You know, for your first time running the cast, you did an amazing job. Thank you, my brother. Thank you, my good brother. I I, I think that this is um, one of the first podcasts my wife is actually going to listen to. So. I want to congratulate you on being probably the first. Um, But but yeah, this is, this has been an amazing lesson for me. And just as uh, you know, I feel like I have to preface everything with I'm a civilian and I'm speaking for the civilians, but (laughs) seriously, uh, this is, this is an, an every person issue. Like the things that you unpacked in here is an every person issue. So I, I look forward to having you back. And most importantly, I wish that, uh, folks listening would resonate with your story and not be quiet. Like, we need to speak up. We need to talk more about it. We need to get uncomfortable together. This has been Sippin' Slow with Joe. Good night.